Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Hi, everyone. Hi, Francis. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, what a beautiful topic for this online retreat weekend. I, I think that's kind of a springboard topic to really expand your consciousness, to take the lid off of your consciousness and just let it fly and open and soar with the Holy Spirit help. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful because I, I think um, this is a, like a new word for, for me at least since I got on to follow across the miracles and Jesus and and really um, devote my life to this this awakening journey. While this function word just keeps showing up, keeps showing up, but uh, yeah, I just. You know, today when we when we devote this whole weekend to talk about my spirit-given function, for me, I feel like I I connect the word function with joy. You know, it's like such a beautiful and a happy and opening journey to discover what joy is and what God is and what amazing function we have to remember God again. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think, in, you know, I, I know in my work with the Course for like 36 years, you know, you, I started reading it as a book and using it as an oracle, but at some point in your journey with the Course in Miracles, and at some point in your spiritual journey, you start to realize it's more about undoing than doing. It's more about emptying the mind of everything you think you think, think you know, everything you believe is true, it's like all the mystics and saints of all the centuries have told us, empty your mind and you will know the truth. It's very simple. And so I think for what we have this 
topic of my spirit given function, we could first say that that in order to know the function that God gave you, that God gave you uh, in eternity, then you will have to unlearn a lot. And the word function in terms of time and space has tens of thousands of meanings. What is, imagine if you just applied it to objects, what is the function of a cup? <laughs> what is the function of, of a mouse? What is the function of a smartphone? You see, function gets applied to all kinds of objects, and then function gets applied to people. Who's that? Oh, that's my mom. My, or that's my dad. That's my son. That's my daughter. Uh, it, and then the function gets applied to your career, to your vocation. And then the function gets to what you seem to be doing in any given moment. So function in this world is so associated with form and so associated with the body. And I can tell you that that's what has to be forgotten. We have to unlearn all of that in order to know the truth, because this world was made as a veil to keep us from knowing the truth. And Francis and I, during this week, Francis, we found the same idea jumped out at us from from the text of A Course in Miracles. And, and I think that's a good starting point for us because, because what we both were reading, we both, our eyes were like, wow, the, the, what we were reading about function and God uh, and function as it relates to heaven and eternity and also to time, that, that stands out for me. Yeah. Jesus, actually, you know, the thing is, over these many years of reading the course, I never really um, read the word creation as much as this week when I was asking the spirit to guide me um, to what, you know, but basically holding this question in mind to ask him, what is my function, God? What is my function, spirit? Why don't you show me? And this creation word came up so much um, everywhere I read, it's unbelievable. Then David called me one day and he said, our function is creation, is creating with God. That is our true function. Talking about that, you know, that blows all the body identity. What is this body supposed to do for you, spirit, on earth? No, that is even the spirit's to us is saying, this is what the function is. It's so abstract, it's completely about the mind. Maybe yeah. that's a good starting point. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the metaphysics of A Course in Miracles, but I have to say over these last 36 years, the biggest distortion I find in the teachings of A Course in Miracles is around creation, because Jesus teaches us that God creates and God creates in spirit, and creation is eternal. So creation is what, what is ever extending in, in eternity, in heaven. So that was a, a great uh, starting point. God created you to create. In other words, the, God gave you the function of creating. If God's a creator and God's extending a function, and that function is creation, then that function is purely spiritual. 
It has nothing to do with form. It has nothing to do with time and space. And we're even told in, in the course that he says, as the Christ, you have creations too. God creates Christ, and then Christ has creations. All of those are purely spiritual, and, and that's when we're really in our function. We're creating our spiritual beings of love and light, and that has nothing at all to do with form. And then we also found a passage where Francis was saying that, that your function in, in eternity, in heaven, is creation, and in time it is healing. So maybe we could shift from the purely abstract of love and light, which is just our, our natural creation, to create like God in purely spiritual ways. Now to bring it down to your function is healing in time. In relation to time, that is how creation translates. If we're going to look at it in terms of time, our purpose is only healing. So that gives us a good clue about our function in terms of time and space. And healing is, is you know, when we talk about the word healing, it, it feels like we have this association around healing, which is um, remove body symptoms or heal sickness. And that is, again, is not what Jesus is talking about for us as our function on earth in terms of healing. You know, we really have to allow all these past associations to be undone so that we can come with an open mind to be told what healing is and allowing healing to, to be done through. Ultimately, healing is, is of God and is, is communication with God. But even that is completely done in mind. It's of the mind, it's for mind. It's, so that's also what we you know, keep wanting to focus on is is what is true healing? What is our true function here? It is not what we were learned, what we were taught. You know, as uh, identity here on earth, we, we are healers to, to, to help. That is a result of being in miracles, being in communication with God. And that's why our topic this weekend is my spirit given function and that is very important the spirit given function is not my self-made function and i know that to know what healing is to know what my function is is a constant prayer i can never expect that god tells me what my function is okay thank you very much i think i understand here we go on the next 30 years i think i'm sad if i just do this but really, it is a constant prayer because it is a constant communication with God. And this, this function that we are having is, is done with the Spirit together. It's not of ourselves. It's not by ourselves. It cannot be understood So, yeah. That's so beautiful. 
it really gives us a whole context because because I remember when I used to I was raised Christian, so I was curious about some of these terms in the in the Bible. And one of the terms that I was kind of interested in was uh, the word sin. Uh, what does sin mean? And then finally, I was told, well, in the original Aramaic uh, that Jesus spoke in, sin meant missing the mark. And I was like, fantastic. So missing the mark is a mistake. It's not like a black mark on my soul that I'm going to burn in hell for. It's it's missing the mark. Ah, well, that means that can be corrected. Even an archer, you know, who keeps practicing their archery to get in the Olympics, they may miss the mark. They may miss the bullseye many times. But if they practice a lot, they start hitting the bullseye. <laughs> they start hitting the mark through a lot of practice. And, and an archer would tell you for an Olympic, uh, to try to win a gold medal, you really have to become good at hitting the mark consistently. And Jesus is telling us the same spiritually. He said, well, when you feel bad, you're just making a mistake in your mind. It's nothing really wrong, not in heaven. God hasn't changed God's mind about you. You're still perfect and you're loved and you're healed and whole in God's mind. In the kingdom of heaven, you're whole and perfect. But while you keep missing the mark, while you keep mistakenly choosing the ego as your identity, <laughs> then you feel guilty, you feel afraid, you feel hurt. So this is really a course in healing, and it's, it's how to hit the mark instead of miss the mark. The other thing that comes to me too is that when we say healing, like Francis said, most of the associations of this world are, are about healing the body. That's why we have physicians and nurses, that's why we have hospitals and emergency rooms. Uh, that's why we have medical science. But what Jesus is saying in one sentence, he completely wipes out all of medical science and all attempts to associate healing with the body. And here's the one sentence from A Course in Miracles that wipes it all out, wipes out history of, of medicine. He says, the mind was sick that thought the body could be sick. I'll say that again. The mind was sick, the thought the body could be sick. So what he's really teaching us is if you believe in the ego, that's the, what a sick mind is. Because if you believe in the ego, that means you have a split mind. Part of your mind is still listening to the Holy Spirit, because it could never break that connection with God. That connection with God can never be broken. So that Holy Spirit is like the eternal flame. It will never go out. You can't put it out. You, you may try, <laughs> the ego may try to, to do all kinds of things, but it never, it never attacks. It's always gentle. It's always comforting, loving, kind, and that's the Holy Spirit. But the belief in the ego generates a split mind, and this mind is split about identity. The Holy Spirit says, you're the Holy Christ, and the ego says, no, you're not you're a sinner, you're, you're dark. <laughs> if anybody ever saw how dark you were, they wouldn't want to be around you. <laughs> That's what the ego is telling us. So we have two voices. Now, the whole purpose of A Course in Miracles is to accept the correction, which is the atonement, 
and to accept your right mind fully and then spring back into remembrance of heaven and God. But the ego projects the split mind onto the world and onto the body, and then it tries to convince us that bodies can be sick, and cities can be sick, and countries can be sick at war, like uh, with Ukraine and Russia. You know, that's an example of projecting the split onto the form, as if the problem's in the form. And the ego is quite expert at doing that. It's, 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 a, it's mass hypnosis, <laughs> is what it is. But what, what Jesus is teaching us is, no, no, only the mind can be sick, and that's only if you believe in the ego, and that's what generates the split mind. So let's take another word like vocation. Some people associate their function with their vocation. I'm a, a teacher, or I'm a construction worker, or I'm a, a mother or a father, or I am a scientist, uh, that's taking your, your true vocation, which is healing in mind, and it's projecting it to form and giving you a form occupation. And that's what's taken for, for function in this world. You know, when you, if you go to a bar and you have a couple drinks and you're attracted to somebody and you say, where are you from? And they give you a time-space answer, I was born in India, such and such a time, whatever. Or if the next question is usually, what do you do for a living? Okay, those are the top two questions. <laughs> Where are you from and what do you do for a living? That's how people meet. Those are like the starting questions to get to know each other. But what you do for a living is, is associated with a function. What is your function in this world to earn money so that your body can survive, you see? And Jesus is, is telling us, no, our function is what God gave us in heaven. It's really to create like God creates. And in time, it's just to accept the correction for the error of the ego. So all we're here to do is one simple thing. And in the end, it may not see, seem simple to you, but I would say in the end, it's the simplest thing we could ever do is, is remember the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you were taking a quiz and you were trying to think of what the answer was and then ding, suddenly you remembered the answer. Jesus is saying, that's how it is with your identity. You think you're a human and then ding, one day, oh my gosh, I'm spirit. <laughs> I was created by God. I'm actually eternal spirit. So that's that kind of sets us up for the for this whole weekend. What we're looking at here First, we have to remember that our, that our function in relationship to time is healing. And healing is always in the mind. It never has anything to do with the body because the body is just a reflection. It's a mirror. But the body is not a cause. The body is not a cause. To try to fix the body is like missing the mark because you can never make a change at that level. And yet, to really see, okay, then I would resume my, my communication with God. I would start to resume this direct communication with God again. And in that, that is hitting the mark again, you know, to join with, with the spirit, join with the spirit in fulfilling our function 
because I um I was talking to, I think we have a mystery school right now in La Casa. I was talking to the mystery school participants the other day and about this time when I was reading um, Jesus about Jesus's life and something really, really hit me to the core, which was that I have someone who is perfect, who is perfect, who is in complete connection with God and the spirit. And I don't need to rely on myself anymore. I don't rely, need to rely on myself in knowing anything, doing anything. I need just ask Jesus who is perfect. I need to just ask the spirit. And that was a huge relief, a huge relief for myself because there was this unknowing trying to understand, unknowingly trying to do something as if I have a function that I have to strive to do. And from that moment on, I feel like, you know, it's 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 a very different um, path because you truly allow yourself to be like little children and just to say, God, you know, show me. I was telling David this morning that the other day I was reading <clears throat> the course and in the middle of it, I read Jesus says in the course that you need to just ask God, what's your will for me? Because God does not want to hide it from you. And I have asked God and he told me. So when I read that, I thought, oh, I will ask, what's your will for me, God? And I asked in my mind and I forgot about it. I went about my, I, I went to get myself a tea and, and then came back to the course. The first line I, I read was, this is God's will. This is the will of God for you. And I just like, oh, thank you. And I went on to read, which is about communication with your source. And that, you know, just even to read that is not necessarily bring more understanding or knowing what to do. But one thing it does is to know that I do have communication with God. I could just ask and he answers. And isn't that enough? Isn't that enough to know that God answers me, spirit answers me whenever I ask? Then this is, you know, I can go about to ask my function every single moment of every single day. What would you have me do? God. And that is healing. That's what I see is healing. That is forgiveness. To focus only on what is true and ignore every false witness provided by the ego. You can't. You're a body. You're going to be sick. People are wrong. You are wrong. All of that become irrelevant. Become irrelevant. Yeah, I think that we know that if we have a function of healing that relates to time, it must be extremely simple if it comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why as we practice the course, we start to read about uh, practicing the holy instant, entering the holy instant, 
living in the present moment. Um, you know, the mystics and saints uh, have talked about this for many centuries, and now our current modern day uh, mystics and saints like Eckhart Tolle, you know, he, he wrote The Power of Now. He, he went on, did a radio show, satellite radio show with Oprah Winfrey. How beautiful, broadcasting about the present moment. Isn't that an interesting show to be on satellite radio, broadcasting to millions of people, be present, be present. And in a world of busy distraction, be present is not so easy when the mind is caught up in a lot of distractions and, and busyness, you know, to be still. I mean, I actually know people that have planned their whole life to work hard and then retire at a certain age. And sometimes they make it to that age and they actually decide to retire. And then they tell me that's the worst time in their life. They're restless. They don't know what to do with themselves. They've been going through the motions <laughs> for 30, 40, 50 years. And then suddenly retirement. Oh my God, the dreaded retirement. What will I do when I retire? Twiddle my thumbs. What will I do? So, so what we're really seeing here is that to be present, to be fully present, actually is what healing is too, because Jesus tells us the past is gone, the future is but imagined. These concerns, past and future, are but defenses against present change of focus. So what we want to do in our spirit-given function is change our focus to be here in the moment and to feel good about it, to not feel like we're wasting time. If you're wanting to be present and the ego is saying, you're just wasting your time. You're, you're a, a good for nothing. <laughs> you, you may have the ego screaming at you, you're the most unproductive person in the history of the world <laughs> as you try to become present. You know, and some of the great meditators have said, just practice, focus on your breath, focus on your immediate surroundings. But that is a part of finding happiness. Jesus tells us forgiveness is the key to happiness, but he's not talking about forgiving people for what they did wrong or forgiving people for what they didn't do that they should have done. He's teaching us you forgive your brother for what he did not do. You, he's teaching us to step back with the Holy Spirit into the light in the mind and realize, first of all, that it's all made up. There is no reality TV. It's all fiction TV. Every movie is fiction. Every series is fiction. Everything we've ever believed about time and space falls into the realm of fiction. Because God didn't create it, that's why it's fictional. It's illusory because God didn't create it. But we do need to make a transition from believing that the fiction is real to seeing that the fiction is not real. And that's why I think we have so many people from all over the world, and that's why we're here, is because we teach with lots of parables, because what, what we've gone through in these years has been a huge unwinding from being concerned about the form, being concerned about outcomes, being concerned about survival, being concerned about making a living to being shown that when I'm present, I'm in the presence of life. 
I'm in the presence of God and love right now. It's not a future goal at all. And what I, when I read your questions, and Francis and I were going over the questions, I can see that the questions relate to, okay, I believe that I'm this. I, it's a really a self-concept belief. All of the questions come down to, here's what I'm dealing with as a person. Now, how can I get from this belief that I'm a person into an experience of who I really am? An experience of the present moment? That's the question. And it is a transition because uh, Francis and I can tell you, you know, we've given our lives over and we seem to be used, the puppets of uh, David and Francis have been used in many, many ways in many countries all over the world and many times around the world. But, but that really isn't the essence of what we're talking about. We're, that's just the, the form that it seemed to look for us, but it won't look the same for everyone. It's really a letting go in the mind is where you find the peace. It's not letting go in the form. You look at your reactions to the form, you look at your feelings as they relate to the form, but that just gives you an insight into where you're still holding on in your mind to particular beliefs and thoughts. And that's where the healing occurs. When you release those false beliefs and thoughts, that's where it occurs. Francis and I were talking this morning, and Francis was saying, you came over to Mallorca, Spain for one of the big uh, four or six week retreats we had, big undoing, unwinding retreats when you go for six weeks, like the mystery school. And you were there in the middle of this big retreat and maybe, maybe you can share what, what a message you got from your mother during this very important retreat, which is about learning to truly heal in the mind. Yeah, and that, that, was, that retreat was my step into the undoing of a lot of the ties and the associations. And then in the middle of it, my, my mother sent me a message that she fell and she broke both of her wrists. So she, both hands cannot function anymore. She lives alone. So she cooks alone and she basically she can't function on cooking, cleaning and basic human functions. And my sister is not around. So she doesn't feel safe to hire a worker to go to her apartment. So she just asked me to go back to terminate my retreat and go back to look after her because yeah, she couldn't function as a body. And I was very torn at the time because I could see that all these, you know, the, 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 the witness from the ego is you have to do this. This is your responsibility. This is what you're raised up for, <laughs> look after your old mother. Um, and, and yet there is a different experience, which is I was going through this huge heart opening and I was going through to know that I could truly be happy if I follow my heart, which was at that moment was that retreat. I loved every bit of it. I loved being there, loved to soak up these teachings a lot. I loved the practical function I was given. And it was really, it came down to a matter of fact, do you choose, do you choose faith? Do you choose trust? 
of the spirit's direction that bring you joy, or you choose to go solve a problem to avoid the guilt. And I thought, you know, I'm going to trust the spirit. I, I really don't want to go. I know that the guilt would tell me to go, but I would for once not follow the guilt. I'm going to follow the spirit. So I stayed. And I would expect that things would fall even darker, but not at all. Once I made up my mind to stay, I didn't really get a lot of the repercussions. And, and months later, I did go back and my mother said everything worked miraculously for her, miraculously. I didn't even know to this day exactly what happened that she could function, but she was in joy when I went back after the retreat and after a couple of months. So that is like a beginning testimony for myself to know that I can follow the spirit. I don't have to follow the guilt. I don't have to go operating based on solving a problem, solving something is wrong. It's not my problem. It's not my responsibility to correct. It's the spirit's responsibility to correct my perception. And, and we need those kind of witness to, to keep being convinced that we can trust the spirit and only the spirit. Yeah. And the ego is such a trickster. It's, it's quite clever at fooling you to keep you from answering the calling of your heart. It will, it will hide behind even decisions that, that seem on the surface to be good but there's guilt. If you follow the motive underneath it, there's guilt. The guilt of letting somebody down. The ego is very good at that because I would say the ego's two greatest defenses against the Holy Instant and the greatest defenses against the Holy Spirit are repression and projection. If you want to remember the two sneaky uh, things that the ego uses, repression and projection. What it will do and what it does is it takes all the darkness that's in the mind from the belief in separation from God and it packs it down very tight into the unconscious mind. Why is that such a, a defense against the truth is because if you feel extremely guilty and extremely hurt and angry, but it's pushed down into the basement of your mind, and you close the door <laughs> and you say, I do not ever want to see this again. I am not going down there. I'm just going to close the door and lock it. <laughs> and thank you very much, unconscious mind. Uh, that's the last we'll be hearing from you. But the thing is, it does break through into conscious awareness. Sometimes in, in times when we aren't, aren't even expecting it, we don't even think there's anything going wrong in our worldly life and all of a sudden darkness can come shooting up from the depths below. And the second thing that the ego does to keep you from knowing the truth is called projection. So the lesson number 132 of A Course in Miracles, Jesus says, there is no world, period. You know, he starts off, he's soft to start off with, he says, there's, there's no world apart from what you think. 
<laughs> and then he goes, there is no world, period. It's There's no comma there. There's nothing after that. There is no world. So the entire time-space cosmos is a projection of the ego. Obviously, it's not eternal. We know that this, even the stars in the sky, the sun and the stars, they're just burning gases. They're going to burn out. We know that nothing in time and space lasts forever. There's nothing eternal about time and space. But it is a projection of guilt. So by repressing it and keeping it from awareness and projecting a world, a smoke screen, uh, uh, like a movie screen to keep you distracted, whereby the screen has everything that you believe in as if it's outside of you. Now it's as if you're just this little teeny person and there's this vast world of time and space surrounding the person. And the ego is not telling you that the entire thing is a projection of your mind. That's why when you start to follow the spirit, you really need discernment about taking your steps inward, because the ego will always use things in form to distract you from knowing who you are. It's a giant menagerie of distractions. Of course, Jesus goes the other way with it because his first workbook lesson is nothing I see means anything. You see, he's he's not going to, he's not even messing around. He's just coming right out of the gate with nothing I see means anything. And then the rest of his workbook is teaching you that the thoughts that you think you think and the world that you think you see are the same, that the world is not external to your mind. That's a good thing, because if the world is not external to your mind and the correction is in your mind, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, that's a good place for the correction to be, because that's the source. The mind is causative. The world's just effects, you know? We, we tend to think of things as being long historical things, and we use the word fact as if we know what a fact is, when actually God is a fact, and Christ is a fact, and heaven is a fact, and nothing of time and space is a fact. We don't have any of our facts correct when we're telling a story. <laughs> we're just telling our version of it. Another topic, Francis, maybe we can get into real briefly is prayer, because that's going to be a, a key in our movie we're, we're watching tomorrow, is prayer. Because that's the that's the medium of miracles. That's our escape. That's our escape hatch is through prayer. And sometimes people say, well, how do I pray, David? And I say, well, your prayer is the altar of your mind. It's the power of your mind. So really, whatever you're thinking about, you're praying for. Whatever you believe in, you're praying for. Well, what about when I pray for someone to get well, in form, or what if I pray for someone's safety? Or what if I pray for my enemies? <laughs> and what Jesus teaches us in the Song of Prayer is, whenever you pray for specifics, you're just asking for the past to be repeated in some way that you prefer. I'll say that again. Whenever you pray for specifics, you're just asking the past to be repeated in some way that you prefer, okay? So let's say you're, you're praying for a friend who have, has cancer, and if you're praying for the cancer to go away, 
then you're praying for the path to be repeated, your friend, in a way that you prefer that they not have cancer, you see? And you're still praying for outcomes. And, and Jesus is saying, God wants you to pray truly, pray to know who you are. Pray, God, what is your will for me? That's a great prayer. <laughs> Incidentally, when you start praying, what is your will for me? Look at Frances, she came and sat back down and it was the first line in the book. <laughs> God answered her immediately, God's will for you is this. So, so this is unraveling all the mysteries of time and space because it's bringing us more to the present moment. Even our guidance is for the present moment. It's to learn how to be present with God. It's not to make a better future. It's not to manifest a better future than the past, because both the past and the future are defenses against the present moment. And God is only remembered and only found in the present moment. So we are going to use the rest of our time today to actually bring to you the practical application of what we've just talked about in terms of healing and function in terms of what you're going through. And we'll all learn from everybody's experiences. I see, I see a lot of you are right online. You've written in, I see Bhavna, you're there with the kids. She's got the little kids with her today. I got to meet Bhavna and her mother <laughs> yesterday. They drove all the way a couple hours to see me down here in Cincinnati. And so we had a Beautiful joining, and now you've written a beautiful question. I see also we've got others, you know, Daniel and Nathalie, and lots of, of you I see online. So maybe we'll start off though with Francis. Do you want to, to read what Bhavna wrote? Because that's a great starting point for our finding our function. <laughs> yes. Bhavna um, sent in this question help exclamation point. My spirit given function in form uses my voice to express in some way, singing, dancing, writing, speaking. But ego's voice stifles me in fear with witnesses in family, jobs, partners that seem to criticize, control, and put me in their box. I feel small and paralyzed to step out and truly follow the calling. I fear voices of disapproval, rejection, and guilt for not following other people's plans. I end up people-pleasing, walking on eggshells, making excuses, compromising by trying to do both, living in confusion and grievance. Always the dilemma of choosing between what people want me to do and spirit's guidance, which drowns out his, his voice. And I'm terrified of not having money. I give this all to spirit and pray to trust with courage to follow only his voice and plan for salvation. Oh, that's beautiful, Bhavna, because there it is. You've got this intuitive voice that's saying, write and sing and dance and speak and use your abilities for the blessing to shine the light of God everywhere you go with everyone you meet. And then the voices of the past, which can take the form of family, friends, whatever, on the news, whatever, saying, no, you can forget about all of that. You have to make a living. You have to 
deal with things in a practical way and, and you have to deal with them as the world tells you to deal with them. You know, the world doesn't teach us we're a miracle worker. And the beautiful thing, I think what you're saying is, we, we talked about it yesterday when we met was, you could not miss all the synchronicities. For some of you who are watching, I went to the University of Cincinnati for 10 years, Bhavna went for eight years. Uh, we were both in the same place. We were both in the College of Design, Art and Architecture and Planning, DAP. We were in the same part of the university. We both lived at times off the university with our parents. And we went <laughs> there from our parents' house to the University of Cincinnati. This is at a different time era. I went a little before Bobna that we weren't there at the same time. And then both of us were depressed. <laughs> <laughs> we were both depressed at the University of Cincinnati doing what we thought we should be doing for our degrees and so on and so forth. And now look at this, we're both in A Course in Miracles. We both like to sing, write, speak, and dance. <laughs> we have identical things that we like to do. and and. Yet for me, the experience has been learning to build my trust and listen to the spirit and, and follow that spirit prompting 100% of the time, even in the face of the criticisms, of the jokes, of the put downs, of the, the fear, basically fear coming, coming at us from different angles. You still have to follow your heart and then miraculously you're supported in, in ways like Francis was saying, you, you start to feel like, well, I'm not doing it at all. It's being done for me. It's being done all around me. It's being done through me. But those are the convincing experiences that we need to grow our faith, to keep our faith and grow stronger. And you notice how the spirit will use the things that you, you're good at and the things that you enjoy to draw you toward the light. The spirit is not trying to draw you through fear, and the spirit is not trying to draw you through avoidance, it's trying to draw you through, let these things come through you. So what we can talk about is that, that basically, this is an example of the self-concept. I remember we were sitting at the restaurant yesterday and you were just smiling saying, two worlds meet. I've got my, my mom next to me and my all my parental upbringings and my parental concerns and worries. And then I was sitting across from you and Svava was sitting across from you and your mom was right there, four of us there together. And you're just smiling saying two worlds meet. <laughs> the, the Indian family culture meets with the spirit. <laughs> and you were saying we should be able to bring them together. And what I would say is when we start to bring them together in a practical way, then the past starts to loosen from our mind and the spirit starts to use everything that we've learned to bring us more and more to the present moment. So in that sense, that's where everything meets is, is in the present moment. It's not like there's a meeting of belief systems as there is that one belief system is based on fear and it has to disappear and one belief system is based on the light and it has to shine. And that's really what you're praying for, is for that. 
So this, this is a good example. And then this morning, after I met with you and your mother, this morning I got a call at five in the morning from another friend of mine who is from the Indian tradition, and she's been through the course, and she's established as a medical doctor and written a book and everything, but she's, both of her parents had fallen, and she was at the house, and she was still dealing with the, the same issue you're bringing up. Even though she's very well accomplished in the terms of the world, she's still releasing the guilt of the shoulds and the optus and the must, you know, those are the, the voices in the mind that hold us back from following the spirit. Thank you. Thank you for being so transparent. Well, there's a lot of other ones. What about, we had a new, uh, a new participant from Germany. Tamari. Tamari wrote a beautiful question for us. That's a really nice one. I think we could try that one too. Yeah. Tamari asks, is it reasonable to think that because I spent 30 years at university, my spirit given function has to be related with academic knowledge? It looks as if most people who are interested in talking to me ask for my advice because they primarily want to understand the diagnosis in order to find a remedy. As a student of ACAM, I'm aware that studying the matter or trying to understand the cause-effect relationship means to study an illusion. Does this mean I should not teach anything related to science because I will learn it? Can love of God reach my students and patients? Can love of God reach my students and patients does not matter what I'm talking about, no matter what I'm talking about. Is there exceptions for what I teach I will learn myself? If the Holy Spirit is telling me that I can teach between the lines if I teach with love, that's how matter more than what? Mm. That's a beautiful question too. So this is Tamari, a new participant from, from Germany. And I think this one really applies to a lot of people and a lot of the questions that are coming because when you embark on this journey to have a complete transformation of your consciousness, and I mean 100% transformation of your consciousness, you have to realize that you're going to go from your baseline, which is how you think about yourself and the world, and your experiences that you've had in the world, those are part of the dream, and those will be used by the Holy Spirit to help free you from the, the dream. So if you've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, then those symbols will be used. If you've been in academia for 30 years and you, and science is your basis and you have clients and you have students, that is, those dream symbols will get used by the Holy Spirit. And 
teach what I would learn is really talking about your attitude and the thoughts that pass through your consciousness. So even if the words that you're speaking are not always lined up with A Course in Miracles, that it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be speaking in Christian terms necessarily with, uh, with students in, in, that you know through the medical model or that you know through academia. The spirit always chooses the words that are appropriate for the miracle giver and the miracle receiver. So you will be used in a way that's very appropriate. It's not out of context. You know, if you start getting reactions to what you're speaking about, then you need to pause and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, you give me the words here, because I, I'm not going to try to teach A Course in Miracles in that setting. I'm here to teach by my attitude. I'm here to purify my thoughts. Another thing that I saw when I read your question, Tamari, was like, if you've been in academia for 30 years, and you have a purely a science background, then in my case, I, I love science. I adore science myself. And so I kept saying, how am I going to bring science and the teachings of A Course in Miracles together? And, and the spirit was like, oh, I'll show you, just leave that to me. And then I started to get into quantum physics and Jesus was starting to teach me the same things he has in the course using quantum physics terms, you see? So they were still lined up with my love of science, but the content was very much lined up with the teachings of A Course in Miracles. Quantum physics is very lined up with the teachings of the course. Newtonian physics is not. Newtonian physics is based on empiricism and as if there's an external world that's linear and you have to draw your conclusions from experiments in that linear world. Most of us were raised with Newtonian physics. That's why we have so much trouble <laughs> with A Course in Miracles. If we had been raised on quantum physics since we were 12 years old, we would be nodding our head and laughing as we read the course because we would say, oh, this is, this is what I, I, I learned my whole life. <laughs> but we've been raised with Newtonian physics, Newtonian science, and that is, that is generated by the ego. And therefore, it's not a question of science versus spirituality, it's a question of, of what, what is your science and how are you looking on the world? So, Practically speaking, Tamara, even though this is your first time, I, I would, uh, if you want to go to YouTube and just type my name in and type in quantum physics, that could be a fun exploration for you to hear these ideas from the course in scientific terms. <laughs> and, and suddenly uh, you can start to realize, oh my gosh, I don't have to give up throw out the baby with the bathwater here. I don't have to throw out science. I just need to be lifted up to a higher perspective of science, which I even, there's a book called Quantum Forgiveness. Physics. Physics. Meet Jesus. I wrote a book, <laughs> Quantum Forgiveness Physics. Meet Jesus. 
And then I had a friend of mine who was translating into France and uh, she, one day she asked me on the phone, she said, why does physics have to meet Jesus? And I said, physics doesn't have to meet Jesus. I think it's just fun for physics to meet Jesus. It's exciting to <laughs> see. There's nothing right or wrong about it. Nobody's right or wrong. It's just that there's an experience that comes when you see that really there's one fresh new way to look at the world and you can see it scientifically or you could see it through spiritual and religious terms, psychological terms. There's no, uh, there's no one set way, you know? It's just what, what you find enjoyable in terms of returning to remember God. Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.